Hi, everybody. Welcome to Fundamentalists. Wait, hold on. Let's do a take two. Fundamentalists. So this is an episode, guys, that's very special, very near and dear to my heart. But before we begin, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. My name is Elliot Morgan. I am here with Peter Rollins. This is a podcast where we talk about philosophy and psychoanalysis and and Jung and Freud and uh, sometimes Zizek and he uh, uh, what cultural stuff sexual stuff sexual stuff yeah a lot of uh, heavy heavy topics politics even sometimes we get into but that's not what this is about in fact what could be less political than Batman. That's right, folks. We're talking about one of my favorite things in the world, which is Batman. Uh, I've gotten recently back into Batman, which is mildly embarrassing, I guess, but not really. And the way I learned I was back into Batman was not because I was like obsessing over Batman or watching all of Batman, the Batman movies back to back or anything like that. It was because I, as uh, you know, Jung says, the face you show the unconscious is the face that the unconscious shows to you, which is what a Nietzsche thing that he's borrowing. Is that what Nietzsche says? It sounds, like sounds like a playoff. You stare into the abyss. Yes. The abyss stares back at you. And I have now a playoff of it, which is the face you show to Instagram is the face that the Instagram Explore page will show to you. And uh, if I go to my Instagram Explore page, I see a lot of Batman stuff these days. All right. uh, and a lot of that centers. I see a lot of kind of TikTok girl dances. Ah. <laughs> so that's just terrifying Why? that I see myself back at myself. Yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah that's, uh, it's yeah. showing you your, your <laughs> unconscious uh, desires. Oh, that's embarrassing. Good for yeah. you, yeah. 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 <laughs> I have them too. They pop up all over the place. They're ubiquitous on every platform. Okay, right that's now. good. That's good. It's not that's just my me. me saving you. Yeah, from your, thank the, you. I you appreciate sound like that. Goddamn perv. <laughs> but uh, Batman is a fun, fun topic to talk about. This on October sixteenth, I think they're releasing a second trailer, which I'm very excited about. And this is more of a fun episode, a more lighthearted episode. And if you would like, it to might get pretty political, but. It might, I know. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I might, absolutely. I might, bring, I might bring the the politics. No, that was a little <laughs> bit of a tease. Yeah. Huh? Uh, but this, um, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash the fundamentalist. We throw out bonus episodes. We uh, ask, have you guys ask questions. And at the end of this episode as well, uh, we're going to answer a couple questions um, oh. to top it off. So get ready. Oh, and they're nice. going to be a surprise to both of us. So I'm very excited about it. Um, Are P- they a surprise to you? Did you not? Look I haven't looked at Oh, right. But yeah. you know they're there? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. Plenty there. Um, so, Pete. Yeah. Do you like Batman? I love Batman. I um by the way, when you said well, when you said you weren't watching them back to back, I thought maybe you were. Like, have you started? Have you done them from the very beginning? Have you gone right back to the No. No. Because I haven't done an that. interesting way to do it. I'm not a purist like that. I don't okay. really do that kind of I feel like as big of a Batman fan as I am, I'm not like a I'm not I'm not going to Comic Con like dressed as Batman uh, yeah. or anything, but and I like are you a Nolan? Batman guy, that's Nolan's. what you mean well, when you say you're a Batman guy. You know what my favorite is, though? Burton. Burton's uh, yeah. uh, 1989's Batman, yeah, as yeah. well as 1992's Batman Returns, which I did Ooh. try to rewatch recently. And it was literally too violent and dark for me to enjoy at all. It was too much. I was like, ew, gross, can't handle it. So which I don't one? know if that means so, I'm getting old or if I'm like, Still very, very young. The Tim Burton one? Yeah. He, you, so he did two? Yeah, he did two. Because I remember there's the Joker one, Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Right, that's number one. Classic. Yes, yeah, amazing. What was number two? Batman Returns, Penguin, Catwoman. Oh, Max Shrek, played by, um, I'm blanking on his name, Christopher Walken. But it was really It's too insanely much. dark. Basically, what happened was Tim Burton made a movie 
he brought Batman from the you know Cop. lore of yeah. 1960s Adam West into this dark, grungy, gothic thing, and I, it ha- came out in 1989. I was two years old when it came out, and I remember being a Batman fan prior to basically anything in my life. And it was such a huge, massive success that Warner Brothers allowed Tim Burton to do whatever the heck he wanted to do with the next one. He, had, he could do any kind of, make it as Burton-y as he wanted. And boy, I mean, the the whole plot, I don't know if you guys remember Batman Returns, the plot is basically that the Penguin, the Penguin like captures all the babies in the city and he's oh, going to yeah. kill all of them or like drown them, essentially. And uh, the Penguin is, is a, played by Danny DeVito, a horrifying character. Um, and very scary, like bites off a guy's nose in the middle of the movie. Batman's like barely in it for the first, you know, quarter or half. Uh, and it's just like truly the darkest Batman movie I've ever seen. Still so cool though. Still so cool. And it's like set during Christmas. It's like Gotham and it's snowy. But of course I love the Nolan verse and that's probably what we'll be talking about a lot in this episode. Yeah. Okay, very I'll good. just keep talking about Batman. So you I, love, I love the fact that you know the years, you know the thing. Absolutely. And, and that, give us, before we get into it, because I want to talk about the various kind of like worldviews of Bane and Joker and Batman in the Nolan universe. Sure. But before that, tell me about the new film, because I don't know much about it. I, I will, I do Peter. know it's going to be like a, you told me it's more like a, almost like a horror That's what they're saying. Movie, yeah. Might be like a horror action movie as realistic as the quote-unquote Nolan-verse was this is apparently going to be far more hyper realistic um to the point that the bat emblem i believe on pattinson's battinson's chest is a uh, a weapon that you can uh as a batarang essentially that he grabs and shoots around everywhere but um yeah apparently the reviews are very good paul dano plays the riddler and it's apparently very similar to uh it's a playoff of the zodiac killer, uh, okay uh, very good who mm-hmm. we found out i found out today uh they allegedly have found through is it dna stuff um, it's really interesting. It's also through the coding. They, uh, they, oh, that's right. They decoded yeah. like, like six months ago or a year ago. They decoded one of the... Yeah, and you yeah. had to know his full name. And then they found like uh, evidence of scars on his this guy's head, pictures of scars on his forehead that matched like sketches and stuff. But it turns out that uh, he's dead. Um, and yeah, because he would be very old now, wouldn't he? Uh, yeah, he like, would have been very old. Yeah, yeah. He died in 2018, yeah. So who was he? Like, was he one of the people they suspected? I don't know much about the Zodiac Killer, but... I don't either, um, but it's interesting that it happened the day after we did, a, or a couple days after we did a whole episode on the, our obsession with serial killers and true crime and that yeah. kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I don't know enough about it right now, but yeah, we okay. might do a follow-up on no it. No follow-up but, episode on that. So uh, yeah. A Zodiac Killer-style Riddler, I think, is going to be so cool. Uh, and then, of course, like Zoe Kravitz plays Catwoman, and you got Colin Farrell playing Penguin. I do know a lot about this. I see why the Instagram algorithm, and now that I'm talking, the phone can hear me. So anyway, yeah. yes, let's talk uh, philosophy and and not just uh, me stating facts about, about this. Oh, and okay. it's also by this, uh, Matt Reeves, who did Cloverfield and all those, those movies. Oh, yeah, very good, very good. Yeah, so when you mentioned about this this morning, I was thinking about it, and uh, okay, Few, what what Nolan does really well, right? There's a there's a really interesting contradiction at the heart of Batman, um, and Nolan really explores it very well. But it's that obviously Bruce Wayne, if spoiler alert, is Batman. Shit. And uh, just in case, but uh, he you know makes his money through speculation on the markets, I think arms dealing as well, and uh, that's how Wayne Industries has made this kind of phenomenal amount of money. And then Bruce Wayne takes some of that money and, you know, uses it to build military-grade equipment. 
um, that he then uses to battle uh, these supervillains and their henchmen, right? From um, research and development, the, that was a underfunded program that Lucius Fox yeah. ran. Yes. But as I remember from the Nolan thing, like one guy was saying, like, you are bleeding money into this. Like money is just... Oh, really? I thought it was the opposite. I thought he was like, you go here to die, basically. Well, no, but there's so much money being poured I into. See. Uh, yeah, yeah, still yeah. Because remember that guy? He then goes, "Oh, there's a discrepancy here." Because yeah. I think he sees a discrepancy oh, because there's all of this him. money. Oh, so good. Getting, yeah, it's very so good, good. Very good. Um, oh, and the other thing, obviously, before we get into that, is Batman has a kind of death drive, a repetition compulsion because his family died, and he's been yes. unable to kind of overcome that trauma, and so this has kind of motivated this drive to to fight the petty crime and all of that in Gotham City. But of course, the contradiction here is that potentially what uh, creates the problem within Gotham City is precisely industries like Wayne Industry that makes phenomenal amounts of money. And then he takes that money and then he beats up these criminals. So even mm. though the supervillains might be pathological, uh, the people that work for the supervillains are doing it because obviously they can't get jobs. They don't have education. They have to, you know, pay for their families, yeah. all of that. And the supervillains could only have this huge number of henchmen uh, if there's a, a fundamental problem in the economic structure of Gotham City. So you get this sense that the very problem that something like Wayne Industries is creating among the poor is then what what batman is fighting so during the day he creates the conditions for what he fights yes. at night. this causes a certain you know problem and this makes the joker an interesting character so what you've got you've got right raz al Ghul. is it raz al yeah i think either raz right. raz yeah raz raz whatever so his solution is he says that that gotham city and correct me if i'm wrong on this Gotham City is irredeemably corrupt mm -hmm. and destructive and should be destroyed. So that's his solution. Rebuild it, burn it rebuild down, it, rebuild burn it. it. Rebuild it, burn it down. And so that's their solution. They're going like, this is irredeemably violent, corrupt, and destructive. Uh, and then obviously Bane is kind of carrying on that. Mm -hmm. Then Batman is a kind of figure, a conservative figure in a sense. Batman is saying there's just some corrupt criminals in Gotham City, and if we get rid of those corrupt criminals, the system will work well. Yeah. So he's he's the idea that these explosions of supervillains is just kind of like a cancer that can be cut out. It's not integral to the economic system of Gotham City himself. Mm -hmm. The Joker, who's the kind of I think the ethical figure in in some respects, he just he wants to expose the truth of the violence of Gotham City. Yeah. That's, that's his only thing. And then we learn from the Joker movie, he is a product of the violence of Gotham City. And the Joker's thing is just going like, I want to show Batman. I want to literally show Batman that the thing that he thinks is pure and good, and there's just a few bad apples, and if we get rid of them, everything would be great. The Joker wants to rip the bandaid off and say, listen, this is a cesspool of violence and destruction. And that's exactly what Batman won't acknowledge. I love it. Couple things. Right. Many interpretations of, uh, of Batman are out there, as we were previously discussing. One of my favorite with the Joker, who I view as like the ultimate trickster villain who's, like you're saying, exposing the rottedness of the whole situation. Yeah. Because uh, he is, in one sense, the symptom of the rot. Yeah. yeah. 
one of though my favorite and i can't is he because i know he is in uh burton's verse which i burton verse which i really liked where it was he falls into the vat you oh, know yeah. and he this chemical thing and he's just like a hand. petty criminal isn't that yeah. right and, and then up. just turn yeah and then the he gets kind of morphed into it what i love though about in the dark knight is uh and obviously Heath Ledger's an amazing performance and whatever his 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 insistence on constantly changing his yeah, story. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. And so he just pops Genius. up as this mysterious, oh, we don't know where his clothes came from. We don't know what this is. And, uh, you know, he's got no ID on him. He's just this thing that, like, almost, like, vaporizes into or, manif- like, poofs into uh, existence and just starts yep. destroying everything. Yes. So you can't trace him back to any particular, oh, well, if only we had this better, if only Gotham had a better education system or if only Gotham had better justice or legal department that we not have this. It's like, no, he just appears. Like yes. he's just this sort of evil incarnate that is, is so fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Shizek talks about that a lot. It's one, it was one of the fears of the Joker film and I don't think it, it fell for this, but there was a fear that they would give such a backstory to the Joker that you would kind of like um, ruin that mystique because the mystique of Nolan's Joker is he is a, an event. Yeah, it's not he's an event. an event. Yeah, totally, totally. And, um, and not something that can be traced back. Um, what was I going to say about that? Uh, I, oh, go ahead. Which also, I mean, I just have to say, I am also, so, my bar is pretty low for, uh, for anything involving Batman. I'm not a fan of uh, the Snyder uh, Batman. Or yeah. the current kind of Ben Affleck Batman. I think he does a great job, but it's just not, there's not enough, I don't know. It doesn't have enough style. It doesn't have enough stuff going on in it. It's just a superhero. It's a superhero yeah. kind of movie. But the Joker um, the Joker oh, the Snyder, movie, yeah. the Joaquin Phoenix oh, thing, no, sorry, uh, I thought was was uh, uh, really great. But um, I tried rewatching it, and it was like Batman Returns where I was like, nope. Too dark, not exactly like just not striking enough fun for me, but oh, yeah. um, it is very That's uh, a phenomenal. Like, I, I, as you know, despise Hollywood, but um, it's one of the few good movies that came out. It's of Hollywood. very good, and it, it's uh, it's unfortunate, I think, that it became a sort of uh, uh, it's not unfortunate. I love the memes, I love uh, a few months ago, my brother was texting me photos of this car he saw in a parking lot, um, and it was a car that had been decked out with all this Joker paraphernalia and it said like, why so serious on the license plate? And it was like, you know, you won't like me when I'm smiling and all this, and it's just pictures of Joaquin Phoenix and he's like smoking cigarette. And it it has kind of become um, sort of like almost what the Juggalos were when I was in high school or like Manson fans where he's become this symbol for almost like a goth movement or like these dudes who are kind of like, the trench coat, you know, you know oh, yeah, 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 the kids yeah. that wear trench coat and they're like, this is me, this is who I am. He's come very idolized, um, which I didn't see. I didn't feel that in the movie. I wasn't like, yeah, but it was, I thought, very accurate psychologically. So Yeah. And oh, and that's the thing about the, the um, Nolan's Joker is in Kantian terms, he's, he would be called a non-pathological evil. So there's like path, and what Kant means by pathology is basically self-interest, right? You can be, so you can do evil because you want to make money, because you want to have sex, because you want to be famous. You can kind of commit crimes. Yeah, it has an end. Yeah. It has an end. And you can do good things that are pathological. Again, you do ethical things, but actually you do it 
because you want to look good, you want to whatever yeah. the fame. Uh, but what Nolan paints is a non-pathological evil character, and which is part of what you're saying is that there's no background. And there's that beautiful line where the butler uh, says to the Batman, you know, like that he says, when I was in the Special Alfred. Forces and somewhere in uh, the Congo or something, he says, yeah, this guy who we tried to bribe the villagers, find out who he was, this guy, this guy was just chucking these diamonds out. Yeah. Had no interest. Sometimes people just want to watch the world burn, and that's the interesting thing about the Joker. Is it's one of the most beautiful kind of figures of a non-pathological evil. Yeah, and he even, remember he burns the money oh, of the nice. of the mobsters. Everything burns. You know? Everything yeah. burns. Uh, so good. Um, now I just want to. We'll end this. I'm going to go watch the mm. the movie, but um, the. Uh, what was it? Oh, yeah. There's so not only in that iteration of the Joker does he not really have a past, but he also doesn't have a future because he's not aiming for some kind of crazy, yep. like, I'm going to control the world, my Dr. Evil maniacal plan. He, uh, he even says, he's just like, I just kind of do stuff. Or like, I just yeah. do. I just go. I just do it. And I'm like, oh, that is kind of like what you hear uh, the good side of in a lot of like the Los Angeles, the new agey kind of. Um, culture is like if you're just it's like we did a episode on just don't be present or being present oh, yeah. and it's like he he is also not present like he's hyper present mm-hmm. like he is there's no there's nothing that he's thinking about there's no consequences he's supposedly thinking about or uh any kind of vendetta he's trying to fulfill it's great yeah no and that this is why like for me he is not the moral figure but the ethical figure is that um and Shizek argues this, I'll, I'll try and remember his argument, it was years ago, but um, is that, that in some respects, you know, the Joker is, it arises and is the symptom of the violence of Gotham. He is the truth of the repressed violence of the city. And he, in a sense, we have to pass through the experience of the Joker. Shizek saying that almost that, that you have to see what like the Batman for a, is struggling not to acknowledge is that there is something profoundly violent that actually supports the city itself. And it's not just some sort of like small group that you can cut out and will make society run well. There's some rot within the society itself yeah. that needs to be uncovered. And then the point of Shizek is the, the problem with the Joker is just he's not violent enough because the true violence is what what the Joker's caught is and he's caught in death drive. He's just like showing the the insanity of the system. He's mm-hmm. not trying to say there's a greater order or purpose. He even shows that the mobsters are are law abiding in a way. Like the thing about criminals is they do want to destroy the system. They just want more of it for themselves. So a, a criminal will steal, but they do want someone to steal from them. They just want to kind of like. There's like the crimes within the system and then there's the crime against the system. Yeah. And mobsters are just doing crimes within the system, whereas the Joker wants to do a crime against the system itself. So he's the great criminal, the criminal who is, um, it's almost like if you if you think about someone shoplifting chocolate, that's a crime within the system. But if you think about how the chocolate, where the cocoa beans came from and all of the violence that got that chocolate bar into the shop, that's the, that's the yeah. criminality of the structure itself. It's, uh, I would say, exemplified in his little line about, uh, you know, it's a famous, he's talking to um, what has become Two-Face in the hospital bed, and he's like, you know, uh, every day at 
you know, you hear on the news that a truck of soldiers or a, van, a caravan of soldiers gets blown up and nobody bats an eye, but one tiny little mayor uh, gets shot and everybody loses their mind because uh, it doesn't go according to plan. Like yes. that's all, the, the soldiers dying, that's all part of the plan. Yes. That's all yes. normal. That's yes. like, and we accept that, but the something closer to us that we actually have to be confronted with, we lose our minds about. Yeah. Now, if I was, if I wanted to say something controversial, which I don't, I would say that is the move from Trump to Biden. It's like, give us someone who wears a suit and a tie and says things right and doesn't I, yeah. show us the violence of the system. Not, but I wouldn't say Nicholas that. Cage, Nicholas <laughs> Detention Center. <laughs> Nicholas Detention Center, <laughs> yeah. Um, so the thing, yeah, so the, so the Joker exposes the, is almost like the symptom made manifest. And in fact, and he, that's why, that's a great comment you just made. I was still thinking about it. You're, you're, that was really good. No. I like that a lot. Which one? I'm not going to repeat it because okay. I don't want to be controversial. But right. the one no, that you made, <laughs> I really liked it. Yeah. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah. And, and by the way, also Dent, right? Dent takes on the identity of Batman. So at the point when the Joker says, I want you to reveal yourself, I want you to show yourself. Um, basically, the behind the mask is just this rich kind of billionaire yeah. who's kind of part of the very structure. He throws these charity gigs and all of that. I want you to identify. Uh, Dent says, I'm the Batman to protect the identity. But in a, in a true sense, Dent and Batman and we, Bruce Wayne are the same. They're, they both they're both keeping the system alive through kind of covering over, like and basically exp hitting some of the violence, but not the system itself. Cool. Yeah. And giving people a... Um a play to watch basically mm, mm. for their, their little, you know, their lives or whatever. Yeah. Um, a few things in defense of Batman is the greatest superhero of all. Oh time. yes. Which if I, you, by the way, believe anyway, keep going. Do you agree with that? I, I, was I do. And, the, and see when I critique Batman, it's more like, it's no, it's the whole, the universe is so well structured that these conflicts are within Batman and they're within the figure and they're being played out. And so the different, and by the way, writing from theme is the way, um, I really, I didn't know that that term until uh, Helen from The Lack told me it, but um, writing from theme is where characters are actually written to exemplify philosophical or political positions or whatever. Yeah. It's, a, it's Hollywood rarely does it. Riders of Justice, which is not a Hollywood movie. Everyone watch it. It's awesome. Um, Pig is also very good. But um, it's where we, lo, lo, these characters in the Batman universe exemplify themes and political positions and philosophical worldviews and so yes yeah, so all of that's happening and batman has contradiction woven into him he's trying to fight us the uh, a corrupt system that actually he's a part of all of that in other words he that's why he's an interesting character because batman reveals the truth in a way that most shitty superhero movies don't yeah i was just gonna say he's got cool toys oh, yeah <laughs> uh, can you psychoanalyze why I've been into Batman since I was two years old and never stopped being into Batman? What about my, or is it right, vice versa? Has Batman informed who I am? Am I Batman? You, you can say it. You're Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> well, you know, the thing about Batman, which might be how you relate to it and how I think a lot of people relate to it is like, if, and we, I think we've talked about this before and I've quoted this really good paper called the Structure of Myth by Claude Levi-Strauss. But the, this seminal essay of the 20th century argues that all myths are ways of trying to reconcile contradiction. They're all, they all are wrestling with a type of contradiction. And a bad story 
doesn't kind of like, it basically tries to sew up a contradiction, whatever. But true, mature myths eventually weave contradiction into the heart of the story. And I think what... You know what's interesting? Uh, one of my books that I'm reading this semester, guess what the title is? I'll tell you. It's called The Myth of Analysis. Okay. I'm oh. very curious about it. Yeah. It's Hillman, James Hillman. Okay. I'm very interested to see what yeah. he's going to be yelling about. Okay. Well, you should read that essay. Like in terms of myth, I think it's the best I will, yeah, writing yeah. on myth ever. And he has, this, he has this thing called the canonical formula, which he kind of basically... Uh, shows the secret of all myths, but 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 without kind of going into the canonical formula, Batman I think is a, is represents a modern myth in that there are all these contradictions, you know, the ones we've mentioned between um, the Batman being part of the problem that he's also the cure for, and Batman he's kind of hasn't overcome the death of his parents and that trauma is working out and kind of all these all these interesting contradictions. Yeah. And I think a lot of people relate to it because their own contradictions about family life and uh, their own contradictions about what it is to be human are very beautifully expressed in Batman, which they're not well expressed in other superheroes. Really? Like Superman and shit like that. Yeah, uh, I know, I have friends who really adore Superman. Um, does not do it for me. Doesn't yeah. even get my juices flowing at all. Uh, however... I would say I like Spider-Man a lot. I'm a big fan of Spider-Man. That uh, I like the fact that Spider-Man in some iterations is kind of an asshole. I like the fact that sometimes uh, Bruce Wayne is an asshole. Mm -hmm. uh, he play that he ups his assholery as his um, as Bruce Wayne, and then the whole sort of secret of Batman can be that his Batman persona is closer to his actual like identity where the, the mask he wears is who he is and Bruce Wayne is really the sort of uh, the performance that he puts on for people so people can think that he is this terrible, um, you know, horrible, philandering person. I saw this clip, um, shockingly, from my Instagram Explorer page that was part of the viral, viral campaign that they did in 2007, 2008 for Dark Knight, which is what I think probably the coolest like, I think I saw this. Yeah. yeah. And I I was like enthralled. In 2008, I was what? That was 13 years ago? Yeah. The financial like, crisis. Early 20s, I yeah. guess. I'm watching this stuff. The internet looked different. It was a lot more like, you know, harder to navigate. But I was seeing all these videos pop up and it was like blowing my mind. What they, I'd never mm. seen anything like that. So it was like they took Batman Begins, which was a great movie, and then turned this Dark Knight thing into a whole campaign but one of the videos that popped up was bruce wayne um on a news video it's not part of the movie at all and it's just christian bale as bruce wayne and he just starts saying they start trying to get in his face at a dinner at a table at a restaurant and he's like i uh, i don't um you know i actually don't i don't like politicians because you never know what you're going to get with them but i tell you uh if any of them are running on uh doing away with speeding tickets. They've got my vote. And he's like, it's just like a douchey yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, like yeah. a so over the top douchebag thing. And you're like, oh, okay. Like they just released that, not as part of the movie, but just put it on the internet. And like, yeah. that's some cool stuff, man. And now it's like commonplace that we have all these viral campaigns. But that back then was like, oh goodness. Yeah. So yeah. cool. That was, I remember that. And the, yeah, a few people have done it since. They did it for Prometheus, I think as well. But that was right back at the beginning of very yeah. new kind of, I was very cool. Yeah. I loved it. I had a great time with it. But um, yeah, I wonder, I wonder actually as well that, because you mentioned Spider-Man and Batman, like they're both kind of like um, uh, 
kind of existential Christian absurd stories in in that as well. They they bring together the finite and the infinite, the super and the the and the so the idea in Christianity as a kind of as a story is that the infinite becomes finite. So you have like, you know, this person walking through the, the world who is both the infinite um, and the, the kind of ground of being and also at, at the same time, a completely normal, fragile, trauma-ridden individual. And superhero movies like, you know, Batman and Spider-Man, again, it's, it's, the, it's the absurd, the existential absurd. These are characters who, for Spider-Man, he has superpowers. And yet he's just this kid, this regular yeah, kid trying yeah. to navigate life. He's kind of punk. What's that? He's like a punk. He's, like he's a not punk. trying to be like a big hero. He's yeah, not, and he's also a bit shit. He's a bit kind of like, yeah. and that's the whole thing of uh, Kierkegaard says, you know, the idea of Jesus would be ugly and completely unremarkable in every single way. And like Spider-Man is like that. He's just this stupid punk kid who's not good with women. He's not, he's, he's messing up. And yet at the same time, so, so they, they, these superhero movies do play with contradiction, but most of them try to resolve the contradiction. Whereas Batman and maybe Spider-Man, but Batman really, and I think this is what Nolan does very well, is does, doesn't try to resolve the contradictions, doesn't try to kind of sew it up. But what Claude Levi-Strauss calls a double twist is that the contradictions all kind of like interweave with each other yeah. in an interesting way. And, that's, and so it, it's a perennial archetype in a maybe maybe Jungian sense, but in a non-Jungian sense as well, in sense of that's who we all are. We're we're the we we're the contradiction of the universe. Yeah, uh, I, it's so. Now that you mentioned that, that all makes sense. I figured it out. I've psychoanalyzed myself. Okay, okay. cool. Because uh, I'm reading now. I'm I'm getting into the archetypal psychology mm -hmm. uh, part of this de degree, and mm -hmm. so I'm reading it and I'm learning about it. Yeah, I'm not sold totally yeah. to tell you the truth but i do love it it's very okay. poetic and beautiful and i'm very into it uh i'm reading about the pure senex archetype and all that stuff and hillman is a polarizing figure to say the least and he's got a lot of crazy ideas a lot of them i like um a lot of them don't sound union at all to me like he kind of leaves Jung like way behind but a lot of the ideas behind archetypal psychology are the sort of uh, union between the particular and uh, the connection between the particular and the eternal. Those, the sort of, you know, that which we can't say or speak or the patterns that we go through, blah, 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 connecting our everyday experience or our personal histories and seeing them through the lens of um, something that we're sort of in a current on makes a lot of sense uh, in light of what you were just saying regarding both Spider-Man and Batman having these kind of contradictions of uh, terrible, terrible, and then also grandiose, big, whatever. Yeah. There's yeah. a point in there somewhere, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. I need to read this guy, Hillman. Um, yeah. And oh, it's like reading uh, yeah. it. It's like reading a... Uh, it, uh, I read the intro to this book, who is the guy who wrote the intro is my uh, professor for this next class, and I hope I'm allowed to say that, but and I won't say what the book was, but... Uh, his intro is amazing. You're allowed to say that. I think I'm allowed to say yeah, that. Yeah, that's not a secret. I'm not going to start uh, naming names, but uh, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not that he played, it's published. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. he uh, he did this great intro, and in the intro, he was like, some people, when they read Hillman, find him to be uh, dilettantish. I was mm. a big fan of that word. I was like, yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's exactly, that's exactly correct. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah. you nailed it. That is how I feel. And so reading him is very... Uh, uh, tough, but I do 
I am trying to get there. Because uh, people on our Patreon have messaged um, and, and told me to give him more of a chance. And I go back and forth with him. I go into like, man, this guy's amazing. And then I go back to, well, you're just, you're just saying stuff. So. Yeah. I mean, that's... Yeah, anyway, well, yeah, yeah. I, that'd be my worry with some of that stuff. And, I, so I, and I'm not convinced about the archetype stuff. Anyway, that's beside the well, point. Obviously, but, yeah. um, that's for a podcast. That's for another podcast, Later. you know, so, yeah. Um, but I will say, then, then what I was saying about the Joker then in terms of uh, why I think we have to, why the Joker in a sense is the kind of the most interesting figure in the whole universe yeah. is because potentially... The, and the role of the political theorist is to expose the vi to expose the violence that is not some sort of mere kind of cancer that can be cut out, but to expose the violence that is integral to the system itself. To expose Joker, the Joker. Yes. So yeah, the yeah. Joker is the ethical in the sense of, although he's doing it for no reason than just to expose it. But that's actually a very mm -hmm. Hegelian move, as you expose the inherent violence within a given system for no other reason than by exposing the inherent violence, only then can it actually change. So in, in a relationship where there's inherent conflicts and but it's all repressed and it comes out and a child who's anorexic or a, a, a person who's working too hard or what, all the things that it comes out in yeah. is those are the symptoms and, and people think, oh, my kid's bedwetting. If I can just help stop them bedwetting, they don't realize that the bedwetting is the concretization potentially of a of a repressed violence. Yeah, the identified the patient thing. The, oh yes, that's right. Yeah, we talked about that's good callback to another episode. But when that's revealed in say couples counseling, the couple has the opportunity now to reconfigure their relationship, mm -hmm. either split up or split up with the type of relationship they have, but stay together. And by the way, that's an issue that's a lot of people split up with people, but they don't split up with the type of relationship they have with people. Mm -hmm. And so they have the same type of relationship with different people when the more radical act is sometimes staying together, but splitting up with the type of relationship you have with the other person. I love that. That's great. That's yeah. a lot of little self. You just wrote a little self-help pamphlet. There you guys are. Right. <laughs> that was nice. I like, okay. you, 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 it vomited out of your mouth so quick. It was, uh, okay. you should, people should it play this podcast on like the 0.75 speed. Uh, yeah. The Irish, we speak very fast. We're always, especially the Northern Irish, we're like, tush, 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 yeah. speak too fast. But oh yeah, so the Joker then exposes, just like the therapist for the councils, exposes the, the repressed and the return of the repressed. The return of the repressed is the violence. It shows all of the inherent, kind of pro problems that are within the structure. And then the true violence can happen, which is not against flesh and blood, but against the systems itself. So the reason why the Joker's not violent enough is his violence is against flesh and blood, against people, rather than against the system itself. But the only way you can get from drive to desire, from, from violence to the, to, of people to violence to the system itself, is by first seeing the system in its violence. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the new Suicide Squad? Oh, I did, yeah. Nice. David Dostomovsky's in it. Oh, yeah, a friend yeah, yeah. Of my friend of ours. You know, have you met David? I've met, met him, him once because yes. I uh, saw he, that's why I started volunteering with the uh, kids. That's right. I yeah. couldn't believe that. So, yeah, David's such a lovely guy. Uh, he's, I met, so, he's the nicest guy. Oh, yeah. and I, I met him in the most uh, surreal environment you could possibly oh, yeah. uh, meet someone. But it was wonderful and beautiful person. But I'm a huge fan of his. And... Uh, 
I mean, he does that care. And he also, by the way, of course, is in, we can't not mention this. And I will say to my credit, when I saw him in this movie, I was like, I hope he becomes the Riddler. But it was in 2008 that I saw him in The Dark Knight. Yeah. And I was I, like, yeah. whoever that guy is, is so good and so creepy. And I hope he comes back. And I hope there's like a little part that he plays. And I read a whole article uh, um, a, maybe a year ago about David Desmalchik. So if you're, if we're skipping ahead here, in The Dark Knight, there's a scene where um, one of Joker's henchmen gets captured by Harvey Dent and starts getting interrogated uh, by him. And this guy puts on this performance where he's saying all the wrong things and he gets uh, Harvey Dent angrier and angrier and you start to see the characteristics of Two-Face popping out of Harvey Dent prior to his accident with his face. And uh, it's all wonderful. And then you find out later that the character David S. Munchen is playing is actually mentally ill and is basically just an insane person. And that's who the Joker attracts, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, I was reading about kind of how that scene was directed from uh, David S. Munchen explaining how that scene was directed. And it's like the coolest. Oh, I have to read it's that. It's so cool. Because I had the same thing. It's like before I knew him or anything, I saw that scene. And as someone who was a very minor figure in the movie, you never remember minor figures. That was seared. Like, like the, oh. he just had this look yeah. and this vibe. And, and, I, and he... Like, this is all, all, all public knowledge, but like he was just coming off heroin. Like he was yeah. a heroin addict. He was homeless. He was, and he has kind of has a crazy look about him. Yes. And he was just getting clean. And yeah, that scene was awesome. Yeah. And then I, and then I meet him randomly in Los Angeles and we become friends. And then he's, by the way, I've got a documentary coming out soon and he's in it. There you so, go. So there you go. So yeah. If you could stop plugging yourself. So I much. know so much. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's a wonderful, anyway. Yeah. Uh, Wonderful stuff. He's in Suicide Squad as well. Plays Polka Dot Man. Does an excellent job at it. Yeah. Polka Dot Man was uh, put into that movie because the director, James Gunn, wanted to put into the movie the stupidest DC character he could find. Yeah. And he found him. And, and he made it really cool. Made it a really sympathetic character. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, in some respects, <laughs> it's not just because we know him. It's like, like the, the Polka Dot Man is one of the most interesting figures, if not the most interesting figure in that because he's such a conflicted kind of like psychologically so complex depressed. figure. Yeah. He's so depressed that he's got polka dot popping out of his face. Like the it's best line, so the great. best line I loved it is whenever someone said, we're going to die, aren't we? And then he looks over and yeah. says, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it was very, very good. But yeah, again, his character, the reason why I think it was so rich is because he embodied all of these contradictions. Yeah, yeah, it's all great. And that's the DC uh, the DC universe. But I was thinking about, what was I? I was thinking, there's a reason oh, I Oh, sorry, it. I, I, I derailed you there. No, no, it's fine, because uh, I forgot anyway. What were you talking about before? So we were talking about suicide. Before we ranted about David Desmondson and his incredible talent. And oh, yes, because, oh, yeah. So I was saying about how the Joker reveals the violence of the society, which is the kind of first step. It's like the step in which you have to experience the violence that we participate in before we can then get to the true violence of being against systems, not people, but like reconfigure systems. That's beautiful. And then you said, I don't know. Suicide Squad. Uh, no. Suicide Squad. <laughs> Did you see that movie, Suicide Squad? <laughs> just, yeah, it was just completely, I derailed the conversation and then you derailed my derailment, yeah. um, much like the Joker. Uh, would you prefer, who do you think wins, Batman or Joker? Um, I would say this, I wonder if they both need each other. Um, 
Like, well, they do. So here's my question for mm-hmm. you. So it's a mythology. It has to. It's a soap opera. You can. It keeps yeah. going. These guys got to come back all the yeah. time. That's how comic books work. What can you do? We put them in a room. Not in a room. Put them in a warehouse. There's toys and stuff to play with. There's things, scaffolding, whatever. There's a dynamite if they need dynamite. Who comes out alive? You, between the, who do, who do you want to come, to come out alive? Yeah. I mean, the Joker is the more... I don't want to have a boring conversation where they're like, who would win Superman? Oh, yeah, 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 like, yeah. Who do you want to come out alive? Like, so they're both, they're both really interesting, you do complex figures. Yeah. But I'll tell you, that movie, The Joker, um, you know, a Batman movie has not been made of that quality yet. So just purely in the cinematic universe and that movie, Joker, I forget who directed it. Who was the director of Joker? It was Todd Phillips who directed the Hangover movies. Oh, that's hilarious. I was in yeah. a Todd Phillips produced film. Is that right? Yeah. No. What were you? What I've seen that? him walking around. What were he you walked in? right past me. I was in what's called an extra. Uh, I was an extra as well. In a movie called Project X. Oh, no, I haven't heard of it. I remember there was a brilliant movie. Uh, you know, no, it's not a brilliant movie. Okay. <laughs> but it was, it was, somehow people still remember the movie. But yeah, uh, I can't find myself in it. But I was filmed for many days doing that movie. Yeah. Um, Although funny, if you couldn't have the Joker without Batman, so that's a, it's an impossible answer. But what would you answer? Well, what's your favorite character between Joker and Batman? I want Batman to come out. Absolutely, I want Batman to come out. Because Batman has a Batcave, and he's got Batmobile, and he's got Bat toys. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think that's cool. Where does he get all those wonderful toys? He's got all those wonderful toys. Where does he get those? And he's got, uh, you know, he, he's got a mansion and a butler. So yeah. I would much rather imagine myself as a Batman that can come out on top. But I yeah. like the way that you called Joker an ethical ethical figure who exposes kind of, he, he serves an important function. Yeah, because he and it's precisely because he's non-pathological. It's like because when you're within the system, you try to work within the system and get the best within the system, whether it's through good means or bad means. You're ultimately utilitarian. Um, but but uh, but the Joker, um, and this is the difference between Marky Desad and Emmanuel Kant. Uh, Lacan famously said they were kind of interconnected because they both Kant has this idea that you, there's a non-pathological good that you should do no matter the cost. And Kant, or sorry, and Desaad has this in Juliet and Justina's books, this almost this, this evil that is completely divorced from good and bad as well. But uh, the Joker is not a criminal within the system. He literally wants to show the criminality of the system itself. Yeah. That is an important first move before we can make a change. Would you say he wants to or that he does unconsciously? Yeah, like, I think, yeah, he is... Because he doesn't have a goal. He doesn't have a goal. Except, well, I think maybe his goal, his only goal is to show the truth. Yeah. Like, so he is the truth teller. Like, his own... That's why he's, he hates masks. And by the way, the Joker doesn't have a mask. He kind of is his mask in a way. Whereas, the, whereas he, Batman is hiding all yeah. the time, you know. Um, I saw a great, like, a great thing on Instagram recently where... Uh, the Justice League are all talking about having to rebuild this destroyed building and they're all going like, does anybody know Bruce Wayne? And Batman's there going, like, keeping really quiet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we need a lot of money. That, Batman, you know Bruce Wayne, don't you? He's like, well, not that well, no, you know. No. <laughs> so he's, That's in Justice League? Yeah, That's it was it. just some silly little joke. Um, but the, um, whereas the whereas Joker, I think, is just interested in the truth of 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 showing the system for its yeah he he reveals the contradictions in the overall system and then also i would say that most 
even in the rogue gallery, as it's called in Batman, most of those villains have some sort of antagonism that is both sympathetic and uh, yeah. unjustifiable and their act like that doesn't make their actions justifiable, but like penguin, an orphan who, you know, uh, is trying to find his parents and wounded and cat, uh, Catwoman is a burglar and she's trying to make ends meet. And she also is, um, caught. She's a hot, yeah. she's a hot villain. That's yeah. the other thing too. They have the hot, they have hotter villains in Batman's yeah, universe yeah. than most other universes. So that's a different. That's for a different podcast entirely. Yeah. <laughs> Not episode. Yeah. Totally different podcast. Yeah. But that, that that's where they're like they try to say they psychologize certain criminals, and that's fine. But what makes the Joker so fascinating, even yeah, in the Joker movie, is in the Joker movie that the talk show host says basically, you know, are you political? Why are you doing this? And and he's like, no, I'm not political. I'm not anything like that. I'm just trying to make people laugh. You know, he. There's a thing, even the Joker in the Joker movie is literally the concrete manifestation or symptom of the inherent violence of Gotham City made manifest and in, incarnated in flesh and yeah. blood without political agenda, without psychological background, just is the incarnation of the violence. It's beautifully done. Yeah. You know, um, and tough to watch. And tough to watch. I know I've only watched it once. And even though I think it's an incredible movie, I go like, if I think it's an incredible movie, why I've only watched it once? And I was like, oh, because it's quite harrowing. Like it yeah. takes a lot of you, you know. And I read the comments from people who are like, they don't want another one, like, and they are doing another one. Oh, They're yeah, doing yeah, a Joker yeah, two. Yeah. Apparently, Joaquin's back on and all that. And I'm like, and part there's part of me that's like, be hard obviously do, right? any I would green light every Batman movie from every director if I could. It would be all all that all the time but uh i also love the idea that there's this there's in these universes that all these companies are making there's branches that some people are like no and they're still like now we're gonna do another one like yeah. and i'm like all right like why not no one has to like everything bring it on and let's see how it goes and uh and see what happens but there is um a rumor <clears throat> that and i don't believe this is true there's a rumor that at the end of the upcoming film from Matt Reeves, starring Robert Pattinson as Bruce Wayne slash Batman. Uh, there is a moment that surprises everyone, and there is speculation that it might be Joaquin Phoenix as uh, Joker. Oh, oh that, that would be incredible. Now, if that happens, I would tell you right now, I will piss my pants. Yes. I would bet yeah. they did it, because yeah. I love that kind of... Yeah weird twist surprise yeah. fan service like because well, this is the thing i was about to say i was about to say that they have not yet made a batman movie that that really has the same universe as the walking finish into it Phoenix. to expose that it's in the yes, same universe. That it's like, kind um, of level. so this might be the movie where it can actually be in that universe i love like that it, you know and i'd be down if it's <clears throat> a totally different actor in that universe because yeah. the timelines don't quite uh line up mm. apparently um doesn't seem like they do anyway they could flub that yeah. with uh, yeah. the whatever. So I don't know. It'd be cool, and that's just me nerding out about it. Only because I think it'd be nice. And if it's somebody different, then great. Because yeah. Willem Dafoe would do a great job yeah. too. So whatever. Well, here you know, in in light of this idea, <clears throat> the Batman at its best, the best movies are embody and embed certain contradictions and and help the viewer to experience those contradictions. The I just want to give a plug to two movies that I've seen recently Please. that do it. And so I said, Riders of Justice. Yes, and you have to watch it. And the reason for the reason why I mention this is, and uh, I'm not going to give too many spoilers, but if you haven't watched it and you don't want any spoilers, just switch off now. Because um, the whole movie is about 
right? A tragedy well, I don't happens. Want spoilers. I don't want spoilers. It's not big spoilers. It's just kind of a theme spoiler. Okay. Not even a big theme. It's not a big spoiler. But and but but at the very beginning, there's a tragedy. That's that's well known. Like oh, this woman dies, and. There is a, there's a point where she's being buried and there's a minister who says kind of everything happens for a reason. Says it very eloquently, but that kind of idea. And the characters all kind of like, the, the main character thinks this is ridiculous, right? This God, everything happens for a reason. But the whole movie is really about all these people who so desperately want to find a reason for the tragedy. Yeah. And they all, and you'll see when you watch it, that some are looking at it through algorithmic, meaning and some are looking for meaning and blaming somebody else. they're all seeking to kind of to overcome the contingency of this traumatic event that defies reason they all want to have meaning for for it and oh god so it, it gives i've literally given up hope for movies and um this and a pig both that it's like they this movie does the double twist. Don't give up hope for movies. I know. Well, I haven't because these two movies blew me away. The Riders of Justice kind of do this idea where at the end the viewer comes to terms with the contradiction itself. Beautifully done. And then Pig does it in a, in a very different way. But again, not in terms of Hollywood movies that resolve things very simply, often through redemptive violence. And, you know, like the yeah. system, just get rid of somebody and everything works well. There's this beautiful kind of like non, non-reconciled reconciliation. Uh, I, there's, a, there's a coming to terms with the fact that you can't, can't come to terms within Pig. And um, I love the fact that I thought, and it's kind of advertised almost as a kind of John Wick within the chef world, because yeah. I think that's a very well said, but with a very, very big difference. So those are two movies that I... I Really want you to watch. I want Ooh, you to watch. Very big difference. I'm yeah. excited. Yeah, I got. I will probably this weekend watch. Uh, yeah, I hey. might have you uh, come over and you can watch it with me. Oh yeah, watch it. it. Yeah, because uh, will I leave this weekend? I leave on Saturday. Dang, I know. That's like the one. What are you doing Friday night? Don't know nothing. All right, because I have a. We'll talk about it. Okay. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what are you going to read? It looks like you're going to read some of them. Yeah, we're going to answer some questions. Oh, here, okay. Okay, here we go. Did, did you ask a question recently, or is this from weeks ago? Or did you kind of go in and say, ask questions? This is from a few weeks ago. Okay. And mm. I'm finding that... Nothing more has been added to it? Nothing more has been added. There's a still out there, and it's just we've oh. covered a lot in other episodes that uh, we haven't posted. So I'm having a hard time remembering... Because I tend to not want to post things. Right, so yeah. we have to figure this part of this... We do a lot of podcasts that I just then think aren't good enough yeah. to be heard. Uh, so you don't get to hear them. All right. Here we go. I would love to hear an episode or a set on the various examples of antagonisms and other disciplines, specifically evolution. I know Pete also mentions wave slash particle duality and Gödel's incompleteness theorem. Also, I second Sarah's point above. I watch episodes on YouTube and only found out about the Is There Meaning in the Universe episode from the week from the Elliot mentioning it in this week's podcast. So apparently, guys, we do have a video version at youtube.com slash Elliot Morgan. Uh, various examples of antagonisms and other disciplines, specifically evolution. Pete, I yeah. mean, I would venture to say that the entire system of evolution is built on antagonism. Exactly, absolutely. Like, so for me, modern science is that... It, so one of the arguments that Claude Levi-Strauss makes in this article is that 
myths, ancient myths have this basic structure where they're trying to overcome contradiction and then they they weave contradiction into them. Yes. And then he says at the very end it's of like the article. Sitcom. What's that? Like a sitcom. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there's some, probably Seinfeld does it. I yeah. need to watch Seinfeld. Um, is that, uh, and then he says, this is actually the same, not just in in kind of like any kind of tribal society. This is also the same in any kind of scientific enterprise. Is it eventually a scientific enterprise in trying to overcome contradiction kind of finds a way to integrate contradiction? And so what was mentioned in that comment was, of course, Gödel's incompleteness theorem, which is where mathematics comes, comes into conflict with its own antagonism. He mentions indeterminacy, quantum indeterminacy, yep. which is where physics comes into contact with its, it's own baked antagonism. into everything it's baked Maybe, into yeah. the, the nanoparticles of life exactly i mean by the way this is why shizek is really interested in quantum mechanics because at the level of of being there's a there's a oscillation of a field a kind of a field of superpositioning which means that the reality is not a one with itself so you go from being mm -hmm. to life and life gets you to biology and biology the name for the non-at-oneness of the organism with itself is evolution. Evolution is where an organism is not just in, in conflict with its environment, but is in conflict with itself. And it generates complexity. In terms of politics, democracy is the non-at-oneness of the social body that generates civilization, society. Um, at the level of the non-at-oneness of individuals, it's the unconscious, what prevents the individual from being at one with themselves. Um, in okay, the non at oneness of Batman being, of course, mm -hmm. that he contributes to the very problem that he attempts to solve through yep. the uh, inability to reconcile his own uh, trauma. Exactly. Yeah. So this is going moving through. Like you'll find it. You find once you start looking, you start to see it. It's like seeing the Matrix. You kind of see it at work. And, and we've talked about it before. But when someone goes to analysis, they're often trying to overcome a contradiction. They often can't. Um, they can't face a contradiction. And that's why people sometimes go from love and hate to part of partners and stuff like that, because there isn't a way to integrate yeah. the, the, that, right? So it, it, it oscillates what's called the paranoid schizoid position by Melanie Klein, right? The paranoid schizoid position is one in which kind of insiders, outsiders, goodies and baddies, you're amazing, you're terrible, all happens. And, and for Klein, the depressive position which isn't that depressing, is where you're able to integrate the kind of contradiction. But um, you start to see that this type of, like, uh, like so much of society's problems are literally the inability to be able to confront and tarry with contradiction. Um, and that's why in the last episode I said that my, my politics is, is a, a rejection of the politics of opposition and an embrace of the politics of contradiction. Yeah. I love that. Excellently said. If you guys would like to uh, ask questions and have them possibly mm. included in a future episode, you can go to patreon.com slash the fundamentalists where you can get bonus episodes and whatnot uh, in terms of takeaways. Uh, thank you, Pete, for letting me ramble on about Batman for that a while. It's very fun. I added next to nothing psychologically or philosophically or psychoanalytically, <laughs> but it's nice to be able to uh, get that out of my system. So, All right, guy. I loved it. I enjoyed our Batman conversation. Any takeaways? Do you no. have a takeaway? No? Good. Not really. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much. Bye.